We've been working through uh, the last several weeks um, looking at some of the underlying kind of core values of our, uh, of our congregation, of the broader group of Jesus followers that, that we are a part of is Spring Creek Church of the Brethren. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, and by the end, I'm going to be able to say this, and you're going to be able to like fill in the blanks at the end. Maybe you can get there, maybe, maybe we're not quite there yet. Jesus is the center of our faith, faith. Community is the center of our life, and reconciliation is the center of our Work. We'll get there. We'll get there. I'll keep repeating that. Every, every week I'm like, man, I feel like I've said this before. Maybe they're getting tired of me hearing it, but if you can't fill in the blanks yet, we'll, we'll still keep repeating it. That's all right. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at how um, when we come to Scripture, when we open up our Bibles, We try to do that, we try to read it, we try to understand it, Uh, no matter what part of the Bible we are opening up, whether we're in the Old Testament, whether we're in the New Testament, we try and open up Scripture and read it and understand it and apply it through the lens of Jesus. Because we believe that Jesus is the the fullest revelation of who God is. John uh, writes, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, talking about Jesus. And so we believe that the Word of God is Jesus. And we understand who Jesus is, we understand His life, His his teaching, his, His ethics, because we open up Scripture and we read our Bibles. Okay? And so when we read our Bibles, we're trying to do so through the lens of Jesus. We look at how does, how does the, the narrative, um, the, the grand narrative that unfolds throughout Scripture, how does that point to Jesus? Um, how does Jesus, uh, as the fullest revelation of God, help us interpret other parts of Scripture? Which admittedly, there are parts of the Bible that we open up and we go, what on earth does this have to do with Jesus? How does, how does uh, the Old Testament conquest stories get us to Jesus who's saying, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you? Like, how does that all jive? And we have to read, we have to interpret, we have to meditate on Scripture. That's all a part of what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. If Jesus is Lord then reading the stories of Jesus and reading the scriptures of Jesus should be something that is important to us as we develop that. So we look at how do we read the words of scripture and interpret them through the lens of Jesus and then take that and apply it to our lives today. Um, we believe that the, the Christian faith is not just one where we, like, um, we get like these core statements of belief and we like sign our name at the bottom, and once our name's on the paper, like we're done. But we actually believe that following Jesus or the life of discipleship is growing and being transformed into the image of Jesus, and we are called to uh, try to live that out. Yes, we mess it up. Yes, we get it wrong. Yes, confession and repentance continues to be uh, a part of the life of followers of Jesus, but we also believe, uh, as, as Paul is pointing out in Romans, that we are called to be transformed as we follow Jesus. 
So how do we, uh, the, the sermon title is God's Will is Discerned in Community. And um, uh, outside, of, outside of the church, I don't know how many times you use the word discern now. Maybe you do. Um, but that seems to be a word that typically gets used within uh, church settings. Uh, how do we figure out what God wants us to do? And how do we live out the way God wants us to live and interact uh, with the world around us? That's what we're talking about when we uh, use those words, discern uh, the will of God in community. How do we figure out the ways that God wants us to live our individual lives uh, when you go to work, when you go to the grocery store as an individual, when you are interacting as a, as a, as a family, whatever family looks like for you, um, what does that look like? How do we follow what God wants in those instances? But also, how do we as a, as a congregation, as a family of faith, figure out how God wants us to interact with the world around us? Um, we've been having a, a Sunday school series in which we've had these different uh, presen presenters come in and talk to us about different uh, organizations and ministries that are happening in the community. But part of our role as, a, as a, a congregation, as a family of faith, is figuring out, okay, here's what, we, uh, here's what the, the community around us is saying, and now how do we listen to God's Spirit? so that we are better equipped to connect with people, to uh, minister to those needs, to um, proclaim and to demonstrate the kingdom of God in this place, in, in Hershey, Hummelstown, Palmyra, Lebanon, uh, you know, West Hanover, wherever you live. How do we live that out and how do we do that together? How do we figure that out in community? So we're going to be taking a look at that this morning, uh, looking at the scripture from Romans, as well as a couple of other uh, scriptures this morning. As we do that, would you pray with me? <clears throat> Jesus, we thank you for uh, this family of faith, this community, and the ways that we can gather around scripture, <clears throat> that we can focus our eyes on uh, the word of God, the word made flesh in Jesus and we can begin to understand and to um, live out your will for our life. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a, a question here at the beginning for you to think about. Um, it could go into a long, lengthy meditation or reflection on your own time. Um, but I want you to think, what factors do you consider when you are planning your day? What factors do you consider when you're planning your day? Or planning your week? Or planning larger segments of your life, whether that's career, uh, education, um, family, uh, how you uh, interact with the world around you. What, what factors do you consider when you are planning your life? I remember uh, a number of years ago, and I still see them on occasions, uh, you remember the, the WWJD bracelets? All, at one point, we all had WWJD bracelets. I had a black one with white lettering. Uh, I vividly remember it. 
And, and they were these, these neat little bracelets and everybody was, you know, the slogan, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And a lot of people were asking that phrase. Um, in hindsight, I would have loved to have some, uh, some interaction and some debriefing about how people were actually determining um, what Jesus would do. Because um, to me, it seems that when we ask, what would Jesus do, which I think is actually a really important question, and I think at the heart of that question is this, this term, discerning the will of God. It's figuring out how do we live our everyday walking around lives for Jesus. And WWJD, what would Jesus do, was a, was a really and is a really important question for us. And I think part of how we answer that is to go back and say, what did Jesus do? Open up your scriptures. Look at the way Jesus lived. Look at uh, the, the ethics that Jesus taught. Look at the way he interacted with the world around him. And that begins to give us an idea of what Jesus might do in our given situation, in our given context. Because often, if you would take the, you know, the exact details of whatever context or situation you're facing, you might not find a one-for-one uh, example in Scripture. In fact, you won't. Um, because we're in a different context, we're in different places, interacting with different people. But if we look at the way Jesus interacted with the world around Him, we can have a better idea of what Jesus would do in our own situation. And so at the heart of that, what would Jesus do is, how do we know the will of God? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being our Lord, Jesus being our King, us um, you know, coming under the reign of Jesus, coming under the reign of God, and allowing Jesus to uh, determine how we live and how we um, interact with those around us. That's what it means for Jesus to be Lord. Uh, we, we, like I said a couple weeks ago, Lord, we often kind of just spiritualize, and, and we don't say, you know, Jesus is King, Jesus is, is my president, Jesus is the one who is directing my path. It's all about Jesus. That's what it means to proclaim Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord and we're attempting to carry out the will or the mission of God through Jesus, then it should stand to reason we would want to know the will of God and how to act in, in a given situation. How do, we, how do we live our everyday lives? Of course, our, our, our faith tradition, those that have kind of paved the way for us to be where we are today, would give the answer in part, it comes through giving and receiving counsel. As a body of Christ, as a, as a congregation, as a church, we are called to give and to receive counsel from one another, to figure out God's will for our life together to do it in community. We read uh, or heard read from Romans chapter 12 this morning. And Romans chapter 12, especially the beginning, um, is like one of these uh, core like Anabaptist scriptures. Like if it doesn't take long for you to be in like a church of the brethren uh, to hear someone read from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 
two usually. Um, like we love those do not conform, but be transformed. And, and especially the, the, the part about, you know, that seems to kind of hint towards kind of a, a withdrawing from the evil that's happening around us. And now sometimes we've kind of gone overboard and we've kind of completely withdrawn from society and said, well, they're on their own to figure out you know, life for themselves. Um, but this is kind of one of those core scriptures uh, for our, our faith heritage, where Paul says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not conform to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may, and here's this word, discern the will of God. There's a, a point in, um, in the church's history, the broader church's history during uh, the Reformation where Martin Luther and other reformers, they, they like to focus on uh, the early chapters uh, of Romans and they, and they got really excited about uh, justification by faith um, and, and Paul absolutely talks about that in, in, in the first part of, of Romans. Um, but our own faith tradition, our forebears, uh, the, the Anabaptists said, let's Let's keep reading past those, those first couple chapters of Romans. Let's keep reading where Paul's going to talk about living sacrifices, us giving up our own desires, uh, determining right and wrong for ourselves. Let's give that up in order to follow Jesus as Lord, moving towards holiness. That means allowing God to transform our lives. Um, and, and, and trying to live more in tune with Jesus, more in tune with the kingdom of God. That's what it means for our lives to be transformed. It's not something that happens overnight. It comes with practice. It comes sometimes with failures. But we allow God and the Holy Spirit to be renewing and, and remaking and transforming our lives. And then to discern the will of God or figure out how to live out the way of Jesus. And then Paul goes on to talk about being a part of the body of Christ and, and how we all have different gifts. We all have <clears throat> different functions. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Let's get that cleared out first. <clears throat> Let me grab a drink here. We all have different functions, different gifts. Um, mine is no longer speaking this morning. <laughs> so we all bring each of who we individually are, the ways that the Holy Spirit has wired us as individuals to work, and we bring that together. Differences and yet called to a oneness, a, a, a unity, working together to figure out what it means for us to follow Jesus. And I think discerning the will of God, figuring out what God wants for us, is not primarily about you sitting down as an individual with your Bible and coming out of that individual time knowing the will of God. I think personal devotional time, personal Bible study time, that is really uh, critical to uh, the f life of the followers of Jesus. 
But figuring out the will of God is not primarily the work of individuals. This is a a letter written, Romans is written to a group of people to be practiced by a community of faith as different members use their gifts, use their functions, use their perspectives, and we come together and we work this out together. One of the reasons why coming together and the community coming together to figure out what it means to follow Jesus is so important is that throughout church's history, um, there have often been individuals who have come back from, you know, an intense Bible reading session or they had some mountaintop experience and they come back and they say, I as an individual know the will of God and I am going to speak to you the will of God and now you need to hear this new will of God that I experienced. And as followers of Jesus, we should go, oh, hold on a second. Can we talk about that? Like, I've got some questions. I have a different perspective. What about this passage? How do we, how do we hold one another accountable and work with one another to figure out what God is calling us to do? In the kingdom of God, things are supposed to operate a little differently rather than the one heroic individual that comes and says, I know the will of God. Things are supposed to be different in the kingdom as we join together. There's a story in Matthew 20. It's a, it's a, a kind of a familiar story to some um, where two of the disciples of Jesus, two brothers, James and John, they go and ask their mom, they, they say, hey, Jesus is talking about all this great stuff about the kingdom of God. I think this is going to be an amazing kingdom. And they talk mom, dear old mom, into coming to Jesus, and, and she comes to Jesus and say, Jesus, my boys, they're my boys, when you take the throne, can you have one of my boys who's been following you for a really long time? Sit on your right hand. And can you have the other uh, son, who's also been following you for a really long time, sit on your left hand? I want them to be, you know, uh, your, your, your cabinet, your chief cabinet members when you come to the throne. And Jesus says to them, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And I don't think they really have any idea of what they're saying yes to. Jesus is talking about crucifixion. Jesus is talking about martyrdom. And and I think they're they're all signed up for like the taking the throne kind of thing. They're all signed up for, yeah, I'm going to sit on, you know, I'll be the, you know, the chief of this cabinet and you can be the chief of that cabinet. And, you know, like we're signed up for that. And so they, they say yes. And Jesus actually says, well, you know what? You are going to drink from the cup that I am. But it's not mine to give you those positions of authority. And they go back with the, the, other, uh, the rest of the, the 12, and the others hear about this. They hear about, you know, dear old mom coming and trying to get uh, James and John to sit on Jesus' right hand, left hand, and they're ticked. Um, I wonder if they're ticked because, you know, James and John have come and tried to um, usurp authority, or if they're ticked because they didn't come up with the idea first. Uh, You know, but they're upset. And Jesus, I I think, gathers them all around, and and he, he says to them, 
this is the way rulers of the world work. They try and grab authority. They try and pull these these power moves for control over people. Not so with you. Not so with you. Rather, if you want to be a leader, learn to serve. Later, Jesus is going to get down on his knees and he's going to wash feet and them exactly what it looks like to be a leader in the kingdom of God. But he's turning things upside down for the disciples. That pattern of ruling and of one person determining the will of God or the gods in the ancient world is not uh, for one person to dictate. Beyond Jesus is Lord. There's an example in in the Bible of uh, the early followers of Jesus beginning to put this into practice. And it comes out of Acts chapter 15. It's a, a brief example of the church faithfully putting this into practice. The Jesus movement following uh, Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension and and the Holy Spirit uh, being poured out into the life of the believers and the life of the the church, it begins as as a Jewish thing. The the followers of Jesus are Jewish, um, and, and they have this whole tradition, and they have these dietary restrictions, and they have the Torah, and, and they've been like saturated in this um, their entire lives. And so following Jesus is recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, and, but they're working it into the rest of the, the religious system that, that they had. But something amazing starts to happen. This good news of Jesus as the Messiah, as, as Christ, begins to have an impact on those that aren't Jewish. And they start to follow the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. And their lives are being transformed and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is transforming their lives. And the early church is like, what are we going to do with this? We've been steeped in, in the Torah. We've been steeped in following all of these, these uh, dietary restrictions. And this is what it means for us to be uh, faithful followers of Jesus. But these, these Gentiles, these people that aren't Jewish, they don't know anything about the, the Torah. They don't know about all these dietary restrictions. They're eating pork and they're eating you know, stuff that, that there's no way we'd be eating this stuff. How do, we, how do we make the connection? How do we work with these brothers and sisters who seem to be impacted by Jesus in this new way. How do we live life together and be faithful to who Jesus is calling us to be? And so they call a council of of the leaders of of the church, the the disciples and and Paul and Barnabas and others that are doing uh, ministry in different parts of of the Roman world, and they come together in Jerusalem, and we have a little glimpse in Acts 15 of their discussion and their debate and and them, you know, sharing their experiences, the way the Holy Spirit is, is moving in the lives of these people that are, you know, eating stuff that we never thought we'd be eating before and, and their lives are a little bit different and you know they're they're they don't even have the prayer shawls on and, and their garments are you know mixed fabrics and all kinds of these other things that we as Jews would never do. 
What does it mean for us to be faithful together? And so they debate and they share their experiences and they discuss and they decide to require the Gentiles not eat meat offered to idols and to stay away from sexual immorality. They leave it pretty open-ended. And then they send a letter to the different parts of the church and their statement, and I love this and I've said this before, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. As they've met, as they've had conversation, it seems like at this moment, this is where we believe the Holy Spirit is leading us. These are the ways that we believe all of us as followers of Jesus are being called to act in the world around us. And it's the first church council. In subsequent history, there are a number of church councils where there are pop up these questions about um, how do we live, how do we act, what is our theology on um, the Trinity, what's our theology on um, uh, the written scripture, and they come together as a collection uh, of churches to uh, determine and to debate and to discuss and to figure out what are our core beliefs. Eventually, people start to claim uh, single authority. Individuals start to claim single authority. And, and um, uh, I'll say from an Anabaptist perspective, that seems to be where things start to fall apart. Uh, I guess other Christian traditions may have a, a different take on that. But for us, that seems to be where uh, things fall apart when one individual gets to determine exactly what right and wrong are. Coming up in history uh, to the 1500s, a group of these radical reformers, these Anabaptists, met in 1525, and, and they met in a, a town in Switzerland, Switzerland called uh, Schleitheim. And it was a bunch of um, people from, from different countries, different places that, that were starting to open up scriptures and, and have Bible studies together. And, and they started to find that they shared a lot of things in common in, in, as they explored what it meant to uh, follow Jesus. And they wrote this joint uh, confession called the Schleitheim Confession. It was one of the early statements of core values uh, that, that defined the Anabaptist movement. And I want you to hear these, this, you know, 200 years before Alexander Mack. And listen to some of the things they said are essential to our faith. And see if you haven't heard these if you've been around uh, the Church of the Brethren for very long. They believed in believer's baptism, that people needed to choose for themselves to follow Jesus. They believed in the ban, uh, a way of internal discipline within a community of faith. Uh, we've kind of banned the ban. Uh, we don't really do that anymore. Um, that got abused, and we can talk about that in a subsequent, subsequent week. They talked about breaking of bread and communion, that communion was to be received by those who had committed to the way of Jesus, and that the bread and the cup were symbols of Christ's body and blood. They believed in separation from the evil of the world. They wanted to withdraw from the evil things that were happening in the world around them. Um, in the best case scenarios, they wanted to remain engaged and seek the wholeness of the places that they lived, but they wanted to kind of uh, pull back from um, 
the evil they saw in the world. They talked about the role of pastors in the church to preach, teach, to administer the ordinances, to do baptism and communion, and to lead in disciplining and discipling of the church. They talked about um, the sword and laying down the sword, and, and they started to articulate a, a stance called non-resistance. And they also talked about not swearing oaths, that when we say, Jesus is Lord, that's, our, that's, our, that's the end-all, be-all of our allegiance. This is our yes being yes, this is our no being no, and we don't need to swear oaths beyond that. But they came together, they talked about it, they discussed, they debated. So what is the role of the individual in determining the will of God? For most of history, individuals have not had the access to written scriptures. The, the, the story of God started to be passed down uh, around the campfire, uh, parents telling their children, grandparents telling their grandchildren, and they shared the stories of what God was doing uh, uh, in, in, in their teaching of, of their children, but they did it orally. And then eventually that got um, written down, edited, and combined into, into scrolls. Uh, but that was not accessible to individuals in a faith community until the printing press came along and then people started to have access to the written scriptures for themselves. And today we have plenty of different translations and versions. You go to a, a you know, there's not a lot of like brick and mortar bookstores anymore, but if you go to one of them, um, you know, there, you can get Bibles in different translations, or you can pull out your smartphone and you've got like access to all kinds of different translations and all kinds of study tools and access to all kinds of notes. And so we live in a time where we have all kinds of access to uh, reading and studying and, and meditating on, on the Bible. It's really awesome time for those that love to dig into Scripture uh, with the access and the tools that are available uh, for us today. And each of us has, I think, a responsibility to read and to study and to meditate on Scripture. And if Jesus is Lord, then we want to read the stories of Jesus and see how He acted. What did Jesus do? And then we start to move to what would Jesus do? We want to read his collections of teachings. We want to read the scriptures that Jesus read. And we want to see how the earliest followers of Jesus began to live out the teachings of Jesus. So that's the role of the individual. But the role of the, the community is with everyone reading scriptures and praying and meditating and asking questions and, and digging deep into scripture, we need some way of parsing through scriptures and coming to consensus on what it means for us to follow Jesus together. The community of faith has been the place where individuals come together with their own readings and their meditating and their, their questioning and their experiences. And then we read and meditate and question and respond together. It's meant to keep any single person or any single interpretation from completely running off the rails. Um, this is how we try to avoid cults and, you know, one person taking us down a path we don't want to go, right? We come together 
as a community. And so we're part of an interpretive community of people that come and read Scripture together. As a congregation, we also involve different Bible training programs or seminaries or scholars or um, different programs. I've been um, using the Bible Project and just love their materials. I I know uh, some others you use uh, N.T. Wright in in one of the Sunday school classes has been uh, using his resources to dig deep into Scripture. There are so many tools at our fingertips to help us dig deeper into Scripture. It happens within our own congregation through preaching, part of the conversation, maybe the beginning or the introduction of a topic. It happens through teaching, uh, helping us to further equip the saints. And it also happens when we dialogue, when we sit down with one another and talk. In this time, I think we need to have a renewed and reimagined opportunities for preaching, teaching, and dialogue. Like I said, we live in a time of unprecedented access to Scripture. There are online interlinear Bibles. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew. You can sit down and have a tool that helps you understand what the Greek and the Hebrew are and helps you understand what those words mean, and you can trace those words through. I mean, you can dig deep deep as you want to go with with the tools that we have access to today. Different online free tools. That's an Anabaptist value we don't really talk about, but cheap is good, free is better. (laughs) Gives us glimpses into the mindset of ancient authors, their, uh, their studies throughout Scripture and more. And yet one of the challenges for the church today is biblical literacy. Biblical literacy, and I mean understanding what Scripture is talking about. And I say it's a challenge, it's, a, it's, it's both a challenge and yet a beautiful opportunity. It's a challenge because um, it's encouraging people to allow Scripture, um, to, to study Scripture to the point where the, the Word of God uh, sinks into them, that they can live out the kingdom of God. But it's a beauty of interacting with people who aren't yet familiar with Scripture. You know, sometimes, you know, I was raised in the church. Uh, many of you were raised in the church, and we sit down and we say, oh, we've all read this story. But it's really a cool thing to sit down with people and say, you know what? I haven't always read that story. This is a new story for me. And sit down and have conversation. And they share uh, perspectives and insights that I'm like, man, I've never heard anybody ask that question before. Or they have their own experience and, and, they, and they share that. And I've, I've never thought about that passage of Scripture from that perspective before. But we need to have opportunities where we are learning and growing and reading and having those conversations together. And so I think we need to uh, begin to reimagine what that looks like in our own time. We need to renew our commitment to reading Scripture together and discerning together what it means for us to be followers of Jesus in the places that we live, work, and play. Maybe we need to reimagine opportunities for preaching, teaching, and dialogue 
to find ways for our conversation, our studying and seeking God to continue beyond an hour or two on Sunday morning and to equip families and groups to continue seeking God together. I think reading the Bible and figuring out how God wants us to live and act in our day, in our context, has both an individual and a communal dimension to it. Read your Bible. You you do it in the morning, you do it in the evening, you do it in the middle of the day. Sit down. Doesn't have to be you don't have to re- be reading a whole book of the Bible uh, every day. Sit down for 5 minutes. Read. You don't have to understand everything that you read. I don't I don't sit when I sit down, I don't understand everything that I read. Write down questions. Think about it. Pray about it. Meditate on it. Think, chew, chew it over in your mind as individuals. Sit down and, and just allow yourself to, to soak in the Scriptures. And as a community, we need to read together and we need to wrestle with one another in how we follow Jesus, in how we discern the will of God together. In all of this, we discern the will of God in community. We figure out what it means for us to live as followers of Jesus in the places that we live, work, and play. This is what it means for us to uh, figure out the will of God together and to live that out. Our hymn of response this morning is in the blue hymnal, number 420, it is Heart with Loving Heart United. And I invite you to to rise in body or spirit um, this morning.